Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live cast slash uh, live stream slash podcast slash whatever we call this thing. You are watching us live on your Twitch or YouTube. Uh, you are listening to us afterwards on the Football Outsiders podcast network. Welcome to all of you for another one of our exciting free agency previews. And today I'm joined by Mike, Mike Tanier, as always, and Derek Klassen, who is handling the NFC North for Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, coming to you in July of 2022 with a beautiful blue and yellow cover that I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, the last two covers looked similar because black and pewter are similar colors, but we're going to go, I want to go really bright blue and yellow with this one. So like Chargers, nope. Chargers, Rams. No, Rams. <laughs> Rams oh, oh yeah. I forgot they won the Super Bowl. Remember the Rams winning the Super Bowl? That was a few days ago. And yeah. When's the parade? I <laughs> <laughs> Los are wondering when is, when is the parade are they doing anything to the hollywood sign did you guys see the hollywood sign they changed the hollywood sign to say ram's house yeah but they did it with really flimsy replacement lettering so you could kind of see the letters through the other letters it was yeah like four of the letters are like you can't they're not even legible <laughs> but hollywood. i mean you know Good on the Rams fans, even though they didn't really attend the parade in the numbers that like parades in other cities get. But there's no there's no downtown. I mean, I was in downtown Los Angeles, but it's not a downtown the way Center City, Philadelphia is a downtown, et cetera. So I'm guessing people were celebrating, but no one converges on that like 10 block Civic Center Convention Center radius. At least that's my impression. Right. Plus, even if the Rams have more fans in L.A. than they had in St. Louis, those fans are much more geographically spread out. And so the idea of driving into Center City, L.A. to go to the parade is more difficult if you are an L.A. Rams fan and you live in like the San Bernardino Valley and you're two and a half hours away or something. I also think there's something sort of perfect about them being like this mercenary team and then winning a Super Bowl in a town that like nobody really cares that they won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I think it's like perfect. I think my guess is that the number of Rams fans in L.A. is bigger than the number of Rams fans that they had in St. Louis. It's right. just that as a percentage of the number of people who live right. in L.A., it's much smaller right? because the population of L.A. is so much bigger that you could like have much lower percentage of people actually care about your team and have it still be more people. Makes sense. I agree. But anyway, the Rams will compete with four NFC North teams next year. So those are the teams we want to discuss here. And you can ask us questions and bring on comments if you are watching live on YouTube or Twitch. And a reminder, that's why you want to watch live at one o'clock. Uh, one o'clock Eastern time when we do these live, because then you can talk to us about these teams. So let's start with the Green Bay Packers. And they were, of course, the division champions last year. And Mike sent me a message before the show that we should just assume that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And I said, it's actually a little, it's kind of interesting to not assume that Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Right. So I, you, I feel like you can give two different discussions of what's going on with the Packers, like what they should do if Aaron Rodgers truly forces himself out of town and what they should do if Aaron Rodgers decides he's staying for the long term. Their cap situation is terrible. Right. Like it's they're 50 million over the cap, according to over the cap dot com mm -hmm. and worse 
Um, Nick Corte from OverTheCap.com did this tweet and this page of what it would be for each team to just do simple restructures. And even the Saints could get themselves under the cap if they just did simple restructures. Right. The Packers can't even get themselves under the cap if they just do simple restructures on all the players that they can do simple restructures on. They still would be $6 million over. Right. So I believe we have a, an image uh, that I put together of um, top free agents. And I will say this is missing a big one because uh, our lads for, uh, forgot to color red Rasul Douglas. Mm. Uh, Rasul Douglas is apparently a free agent also, but he's not. I did not put him on this list because he wasn't colored as he wasn't colored free agent red on our lads. <laughs> Very helpful, by the way. I, I look at it and I can see the chaos on our lads when they do that. The um, the thing about the Packers free agents, and I said to Mike when we were talking about this before the show, they actually don't have that many free agents. It's just the ones they have are hugely, hugely important. Yes. And one of the reasons they can't just do simple restructures, um, well, there's a couple of reasons for it. Even if they do all that, you do not get Devontae Adams under the cap. So whenever you see the cap number for the Packers, and I'm not even sure exactly what it is right now. I think I have it on the screen. They are 50 million over plus the franchise tag for Devontae. That, that is a non-negotiable that you either somehow get a long-term contract for Devontae now or you franchise tag him. I don't have that number in front of me. It's like $12 million. So they're really at 62. With oh, the, it's got to be more than 12 for a wide receiver, I would think. I, I would imagine it's closer to like 16. Yeah. Okay, so you're you are far. It's far worse than it looks like when you just look at their cap number. Because again, they cannot simply let Devonte Adams go. The moment Devonte Adams goes, Aaron Rodgers says "see ya," and they're a rebuilding team. I was at, I say that's the sort of the point of divergence, which is if Rodgers forces his way out of town, do you keep Devonte Adams, feeling that Jordan Love needs a stud wide receiver to trust to so that he can grow? Or do you let Devontae Adams go figuring you're really rebuilding at that point? I think you have to commit to rebuilding. Like there's just, I, I think even if let's just assume that by some miracle, Jordan Love is like an average quarterback next year. There's no way to beat Devontae Adams is like good enough by himself to make this team actually good with Jordan Love. Like you need Aaron Rodgers back there to unlock this whole thing. And if he's not there, I think you just have to commit to rebuilding, especially with all these cap problems that they're going to have. Because, I mean, they're going to lose a ton of the dudes on defense. You mentioned Rasul Douglas, but like Devondre Campbell was the best linebacker they've had in, I mean, Many Jesus, a, a decade. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's the best one they've yeah. had. Um, certainly the most athletic and like the most versatile. So the fact that they're, almost certainly not going to be able to keep him. And then like their only other options at, at linebacker are going to be like, I don't know, Chris Barnes. Like I know they're losing Oren Burks, who was like a backup. Like they have basically nothing at that position. So I think the fact that they're going to they lose so many guys. like position before they brought in Devondre Campbell. Right, exactly. And like, they're not going to be able to get him back. Like, it's just, I think it's too difficult a situation to, to move forward with anything serious. If Aaron Rodgers isn't there, even if he's there, I don't think this team is going to be good. But I think certainly without him, it's doomed. Well, I mean, I feel like with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, they're still going to be good. Well, just, yeah, good, but not as I think good as, as good they, as they were, they were last year. year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Todd Singer says, why would Rodgers agree to a trade? Can't he just force his release by refusing to negotiate his $47 million cap hit? He could also be forcing his 
okay, we're going to keep you and completely work around you and, and have to gut everything else to keep you. So that sort of bluffing game, while it's par for the course with the Packers and Rodgers, to play like mutual assured destruction bluffing, that's not necessarily a slam dunk move for him, especially when you know a restructuring could be useful to him or a trade where he can go and like he can he can restructure elsewhere might just be a, a better move for him than saying okay let's dig our you know <laughs> dig our feet in the ground and make you drag us out of the supermarket like like toddlers i i feel like if he restructures his contract he stays that's basically an admission the jordan love pick was a mistake rogers is the quarterback for the next couple of years you know at that point you might as well try to trade love and see what you can get for him. Right. And just get a regular old backup. Um, they're also going to probably have to either cut, cut one of and restructure the other one of Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Both are going to happen. Preston's going to get cut almost certainly. Zadarius will get restructured. Yeah. I was looking through their list of guys that you can, uh, cut to save some money. And, and, and you're right. It's not phenomenal. You're, you want up cutting guys, that you want to keep, you know, it's not like, Oh, well, this is Deadwood. This is Deadwood. There's not a lot of that there. Um, you can restructure Alexander in some way. Um, that's yeah. Extend Alexander. I believe Alexander is, has one more year on the fifth year option. So this is extension time for him. Right. And as I was joking on the slack about, it's like, well, you can cut Randall Cobb and save about 8 million, but you can't cut Randall Cobb. See Aaron Rodgers has made a personal enemy of the salary cap itself as only Aaron Rodgers can. He's, he is now at war with economics itself here. So, like, some of the moves that you might want to make uh, aren't necessarily going to get you where you want to be with your quarterback. Um, useful was first asked about Aaron Jones because Aaron Dillon could clearly take over as the starter at running back. I'm looking up Aaron Jones's contract it's, right now. You could say, but, but hold on, I had it up here a moment, a few million. I mean, he's a running back. It can't be that much. They <laughs> just signed him to a new contract, though. His contract right now goes through 2024. You can save 5.7 mil as a post-June 1st cut. You really are starting to get $6 million in cap space, so you are starting to really slice and dice there in a way you don't want to do if you're saying, well, we're a Super Bowl team. You know, we are a Super Bowl contender. And they really are. I think you're absolutely right, Derek, that they're not going to be what they were maybe two years ago, et cetera. But the Buccaneers are exiting the field right now. Um, there's some other teams that may well exit the field. I don't think the Saints are going to be a serious thing. So that And the division is kind of – the Vikings will talk about them, but they're probably rebuilding. The division is sitting there for you to be on top, so you might as well shoot your shot if you can to have another 13-14 win season. Yeah, I've seen people suggest online that the Packers do an all-in thing similar to the Rams – where yeah. they stuff all their salary cap problems into 2023 and 2024 to try yeah. to like one last like hurrah big ride. And that would you would want to keep Aaron Jones. So you have both running backs, certainly. Right. Um, you would want to keep Adams. You'd want to keep Campbell. Um, right. I don't right. know if you can then keep Tanyan or whether yeah, you no. give the starting tight end job to Joseph DeGuara, who's not really a regular tight end, right? He's just like a move H back dude. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's it. You, I think they should do an all-in, and they should restructure into the, the kingdom come to do this unless Rodgers agrees to, like, a great trade. But even doing that, I'm not sure. You, that way you can keep Adams and Campbell, I think, or Adams, Campbell, and King. I don't see how you keep Scantling and Tanyan 
and all of these other guys if you're doing that. So, so you are mortgaging everything and you're, it's, the leverage is that fine to try to sustain this for another year. And, of course, Rodgers can extend out, but, it, but like Todd Singer was saying, we just don't know where he's at with that. And the thing is, like, they they have to basically all in on either offense or defense. They don't have the resources to do both. So if you – presumably, if you keep Rodgers, you're going to go all in on the offense and try to keep as many of these guys together. But then you're, like, kind of bordering on what the 7-9 and nine Saints teams were, where your defense is horrendous and you're praying to God that Aaron Rodgers can give you a little bit more than 7-9, and nine, which, to be fair, he probably can if they can recoup most of these weapons. But, like – you're going to be one of the most volatile teams in the league if your defense is completely gutted like this and you have zero resources to replace anybody. And a lot of these guys are key players. You know, the Smith brothers, for as on and off the field as they were, they're great players. Right. Um, so you're going to have no depth as a pass rusher if you lose them. No Devondre Campbell is a huge deal. Rasul Douglas was huge for them. They probably wouldn't be able to keep him if they keep everybody on offense. Like, the defense is going to go back to being a, a disaster if they if they you know go they'll, all in. There will the still be good players on that defense. I, I feel better about the defense, I think, than you do. I mean, there's still Kenny Clark and there's still Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes, and uh, the problem is the depth will be non-existent if they have any injuries, right? Like they can move Rashawn Gary into a starting position by cutting one of the Smith brothers, but then if somebody gets hurt at edge rusher, there's nobody behind them. And a cornerback, exactly. and cornerback's a problem no matter what. If you can't keep King and Douglas, and I don't think he can in that scenario. Right. Like, then you'll have Stokes and Alexander to start, but you'll have nothing behind them. So it's like right. it's like it's like the depth will be non-existent, which in some cases I, I, are sort of like that. But I also don't think their line outside of Clark is any good. And, and they're losing a couple of the guys. Like, Tyler Lancaster is supposed to free, be a free agent, even though he's, you know, he's not great. But, like, losing anybody in that front outside <laughs> of Clark is no good. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the second-place team, and uh, they are $16 million over the cap but can be $28 million in cap space if with simple restructures. And obviously the big question with the Vikings is what on earth do they do about Kirk Cousins? <laughs> um, simple I mean, restructures. There's some interesting free agents, but the – the big question to start with is, is, um, is I think I put all defensive free agents for them. The only major offensive free agent they have is Tyler Conklin, who was the number one tight end, but Irv Smith will be healthy again and he'll become the number one tight end. So that's not a problem. But other than like figuring out their defense, the big question is, is um, Kirk Cousins. Like, do they extend him? Do they trade him? Does anybody want him in trade and to take? Well, no, because it's not that nobody would want Kirk Cousins. It's that nobody would want Kirk Cousins at $33 million. Right. I mean, I think that's, I think no matter what they do, even if they have to eat some portion of his contract, like you just have to move on, which is not even to say that Kirk is not a starting quarterbacker anymore. It's just like the timeline of this team is not conducive to paying someone like Kirk Cousins $35 million to get you seven wins who cares like it doesn't they're they're not going to be able to win this division um even with the packers i think looking as weak as they are like i think they're just losing too many guys pretty much across the board and kirk cousins is i think at this point it's pretty established that he's not in that upper echelon where he's going to make your team better than it is right so like what's the point of, of of extending him or keeping him for any longer than you have to conversations we had in 2019 and we're still having now. <laughs> no point to this i'm looking at cousins and yeah he would be one of the simple restructures that's the danger of these simple restructures oh yeah he, he is a, a accordion 
of, uh, of cap space that you can extend it out and put more in. Um, but that would be bad. I, I, this is a team that needs to get younger. And I think Anthony Barr can still play, but they need to get younger. Patrick Peterson, they need to get younger. They need to get rid of those guys. And what I would recommend is eating Cousins' contract this year. So you're not carrying that over. And if they're looking to get compliant without restructurings, Eric Kendricks, you save $9 million as opposed June 1st cut there. Okay. I love Harrison Smith. Do you think he's going to be there when the team is good again? That's a guy you can cut. I got here on over the cap. 11 million for letting Harrison Smith lose. Okay. If you kind of take this as a swallow year. Yeah. And you swallow some of these losses and you keep Kirk Cousins for one more year. Yes. And you're swallowing that. A good draft pick in the 2023 draft when we all agree the quarterback prospects are better than they are this year. Right. Yeah. And and Cousins is part of that swallowing. You're swallowing him and then you're swallowing a a lot of your long tenured veterans who have kept the team at 11 wins or so for many, many years part ways with them to start this youth movement because you've got the opportunity now when you've got a new GM, you got a new head coach, you have a new defensive coordinator and Mike Petton. <laughs> I, I think definitely to Mike's point, I guess. <laughs> I think definitely to Mike's point, the only option is to eat Kirk Cousins' contract one way or another. It doesn't matter if you trade him, doesn't matter if you just keep him and win five games. Right. Like you have if you to trade him, you have to agree to pay most of it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which if you can get draft picks back when you know that you're going to be rebuilding anyway, like at this point, why not? It's it's funny how there's this tier, you know, the Rogers Wilson, you know, the the the, the reach tier, Watson. Then there's the Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, semi give up on life tier, and then there's Cousins right in the, right in the middle of them uh, uh, for a team that might want to like see the worst of both worlds, the best of both worlds. I'm not even sure what that is, but it's hard to even fit him into a category right now that some team's going to say, yeah, this, this is the over the top guy. You know, I, I, the Broncos don't have John Elway <laughs> running the shots anymore. So I don't know who's going to look at cousins and say, this is the, this is the solution here. Well, I mean, if cousins goes to Denver, I think maybe he's a little bit better than Teddy Bridgewater, but yeah. Oh yeah. But it's not like, yeah, it doesn't make them all of a sudden, uh, in competition with Buffalo and Kansas City at the top of the AFC. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and Kirk, Kirk probably gets that team into the playoffs. He probably doesn't. Yeah, with do the receivers that he them. would have there. Yeah. Yep. They'd have been the Raiders instead of yeah. the Raiders. And it would have been fine, and it would have cost $30 million. And if you look at their cap situation, that's that's not – no one has no one has $30 million or $40 million of cap space for Kirk Cousins. No one in this world has that. Oh, thank Fake you. Did, Fake did you says Ed Donatel is the defensive coordinator. Speaking of old names, Petten is an assistant coach old hand for the mostly young staff. But Ed Donatel is another old name running the defense in Minnesota. So it's an interesting – I mean, you know, they're going to the to the Rams model, I would think, with the Kevin O'Connell. It's another – Sean McVay, acolyte, getting a head coaching job. So, um, I like it when, but, uh, when when offensive coordinators are promoted. They tell they got an old defensive coordinator. So you're in charge. Or I'm going to draw X's nose. You go in there and yell with those crazy guys over there, and they give them complete control of the defense. When a defensive coordinator rises up, he looks at the offensive coordinator and says, "One interception, and you are dead to me." But they really need to. Um, they really need to to rebuild their secondary. You know, if you think Peterson's old and probably goes, Mackenzie Alexander goes. 
right? Gladney, they drafted Gladney. Gladney had off-field problems, so that's gone. It's basically just Cameron Dantzler, and then that's it, like a cornerback. Yeah, I was mocking a cornerback to them. For the mock draft, that's coming on Monday at Football Outsiders, Uh, but I'm not going to say which cornerback I mocked to them. Because I don't have the document loaded right now, <laughs> and because yeah, you have to read the need... mock draft to find out which. Yeah, you have to read my mock them. draft to find out on Football Outsiders. Yeah, I, I mean, at this rate, they're going to have to move Cameron Bynum like back to corner because they drafted him as a corner, moved him to safety, and it's like, well, if you don't have anybody else, <laughs> you mm. might just have to play it. Yeah, Cameron Bynum, uh, his name is missing letters. C A M R Y N. I feel like there need to be more vowels in there. It's like it's like the Hollywood sign. It's missing letters now. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears actually have the most free agents, I believe, of any team in the NFC North, according to uh, an analysis that I saw. Forty-one percent of their snaps are now free agents. Uh, and um, I couldn't even get all the like big ones onto the. Um, onto this uh, graphic. They have 29 million in cap space or 66 million if they do simple restructures. So they can have a lot of cap space and they can be really active in free agency if they want to. But of course they have no number one pick. Like on this list here, I didn't put Bilal Nichols, one of their defensive linemen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't put Christian Jones and Alec Ogletree, who are the inside linebackers. I didn't put Graham, Graham, who's pretty dead at this point. (laughs) I didn't put Jason Peters because um, I figure Tevin Jenkins is their left tackle since he was Mm -hmm. supposed to be before he got injured last year. I didn't put Marquise Goodwin or Damier Bird, who are like their wide receiver depth is gone at the end of this year. Like, the Bears have a lot of free agents, but a lot of money to add people. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I, I think you have to just go all out in in giving Fields a shot. Like, there's, it's the only way. Like, if you draft, if you spend all these picks to make Fields the guy, I think you have to at least give him a shot to work. So I think at least among these returning guys, they have to bring James Daniels back. I think he's going to be yes. one of the best interior offensive linemen on the market if he's if he's actually allowed to hit it. I, I don't think they should let him do that. Um uh, oddly enough, I actually think even though what I just said was give Fields a bunch of, you know, uh, resources, I think letting Allen Robinson walk is fine because I, I for whatever reason, that connection just like awful. This year. It just wasn't there. Like, I, like, I think Allen Robinson looked a little bit slower this this year than his usual, but also like there was just something off with that connection, um, which I don't even think it's a Fields problem either, because like you saw his connection with Mooney was fantastic. He had moments with Komet that were fantastic, like. Something was just off with Robinson, so I think they would just need to retool there entirely. But, um, yeah, I, I think at least as far as um, guys they need to bring back, James Daniels is number one priority by a mile. Agreed. What do you think, what do you think from, a, from a scheme perfect, uh, perspective, Derek, of the hiring of Getze, who's a Packers guy, so I guess LaFleur-style offense, which means Shanahan-style offense, do you think that that sounds good for Fields? I mean, I think it's probably fine if they – you know, do a bunch of the rollouts and really, you know, get him moving and stuff and call a lot of those shot plays because he's extremely willing to take him. I mean, I think a lot of his best moments were trying to throw post balls that were into tight windows and he made it work sometimes. Sometimes maybe he didn't. Um, so I actually think a lot of that stuff can work for him. To me, ideally, you make him Carson Palmer who can run, which I think is not necessarily what this offense is supposed to be. Um, but I, I think, you know, the Shanahan-esque style of offense is probably perfectly fine for him. By the way, Joey, Joey Sucks asks, is Dalton 
still on the books for next year? I don't think so. Nick yep, Foles, he comes off. He is a free agent. Nick mm-hmm. Foles is still on the books. I believe that's three or four million uh, as 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 a cut that you can just pencil in right there. There are a couple of very cuttable guys at the bottom of that uh, Bears roster. Yeah, I mean they could keep Foles as the backup, but there's no need to. They could get other backups for cheaper. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Dalton is a free agent again, and he'll go somewhere else as a backup again, somewhere. Actually, no, Dalton is on the books. Was uh, really our lads has him as a free agent. Oh, it's it's only because of dead cap because yeah he's it's avoidable contract. They're gonna oh, have okay. to, they're, yeah, they're going to have to eat some of it, so that's why he's on the books. That was my. He's mistake. got one of those void year things. Yeah, he's got a void year where they got to eat some bonus money, which they could then yeah. spread out over two years if they choose to. But he's gone, right? He's not. They're not going to keep. He's him. gone. And yeah, I mean, luckily they do have a lot of money, so they can go out and get free agents. There's going to be good wide receiver free agents, right? They need to rebuild their wide receiver core. Let Allen Robinson leave. You know, someone like a Christian Kirk or something, buddy, would work yeah. here. Um, you know, there's going to be good. I mean, the dream would be get like Godwin to be the number one receiver uh-huh. or something. That would be amazing. Yeah. Godwin, yeah. especially if they're going to roll into that kind of offense, you just make him like, you know, the 90% version of Cooper Cup in that in that style of offense. If they get Godwin, that's like the centerpiece. I, I mean, they've got yeah. cap space, but not cap space to like get into an elaborate bid, bidding war, you know, if, if Jacksonville or somebody is like going after Godwin hard. So, but that would make sense for them to do that. Yeah. They could really use the receiver, the real use receivers. Um, Really use interior line, depending yeah. on what happens with Daniels. Do they need other interior linemen? Uh, right tackle, I guess, is a question mark. That Jermaine Effetti is listed as the starter. He's a free agent. Oh, boy. Um, they need a center badly. Yes, I don't know if they're going to pay not. for Ryan Jensen, but they should consider it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what the deal is with the Daniels and White. They have spent so much time over the last three or four years. I'm not going to call myself an expert on the Chicago offensive line. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the specifics of why Daniels and Whitehair have been constantly moved from center to guard and back and forth and back and forth. Like, can one of those guys play center or what? I mean, they can, but I think they're both just better at guard. And then, yeah. uh, So if know. they went out and spent the money on Jensen and then had both of those guys at guard, you'd have a pretty sweet interior line right there. Right. And you, you probably have don't have any receivers now. Now you don't have any but receivers. Yeah, now do you have the money to go out and buy the receivers that you need? Right, because mm-hmm. Jensen's going to be out there. The Bengals are going to be bitters. The Bengals, Bengals will be bitters for Daniels. Um, the, the Cardinals, if they can scratch the money together, will be bitters for a center. The Dolphins could be bitters for a center. And there's only there's there's two centers in the draft. One is Linderbaum is going to go top fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to go super high. And the young man from Boston College, help me, Derek. I'm senior moment. Oh, Zion. Zion. Yeah, Zion Johnson. Yeah, he's really a converting. Mm-hmm. In the midst of converting to center, so he'd be he'd be available late. I don't know if he solves your problem right away. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be there in the second round either. I would definitely be more inclined. Like it would suck to not be able to get enough receivers here, but I think I would be more inclined to build the line for a guy like Fields because I think to me he's more of a guy. If you can keep him upright as often as possible and keep things clean for him, he can kind of figure out the rest because I think his arm talent and his playmaking is all there. Hmm. It's just if you let him get hit all the time, which to be fair is part partly his problem. He loves to hold the ball. But again, I think if you can protect him as much as possible, he's going to figure out the the rest enough that like this offense can be competent, I think. 
So prioritize the interior offensive line. I mean, the whole offensive line. Right. As much of it as you can. Right. And wait on wide receivers to go either later free agents or draft picks. I think especially in this class, too, there's a ton of good like day two receivers. So I think it's probably fine if if they spend their money in free agency and, and let stuff figure itself out in the draft as far as wide receivers go. Yeah. Useful is first says sign offensive linemen and hope some of those Ohio state wide receivers no. slide team. That, that one's out. not happening. No. <laughs> that no. one's not happening. I see be more along well, that I, I will point out that Benjamin Robinson actually had Olave out of the first round in his uh, first grinding the mocks because as he pointed out, I guess, in general, only like 27 of the players who are expected to go in the first round actually go in the first round. Like there are always players who dropped in the right. second round and he ended up having Olave as one of them in his you, mock. You can, you can see Olave dropping, right, Derek? I'm, I'm not crazy with that. Or He shouldn't, but I think okay. it could happen just because if you're pure, if teams are going to swing on potential, he is like sixth on the totem pole, purely on potential. I think like in terms of overall, he's probably top three. But like he's he's more of a high floor type of guy than some of the others. And if you're picking first round, you teams might want something more than that. If I remember correctly, the early playmaker run had him third. Yeah, he's pretty high. I mean, that sounds about right to me. Right. Mm -hmm. he, and he's going to run great in a couple of weeks. He's going to run yeah. great, and he'll be in the top half of the first round or close to the top half of the first round. And I'm a big uh, I'm a big Wilson fan, so I'm not sure everyone is, but uh, I, he he ain't dropping that far. No, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> Wilson for sure is not falling. Somebody's yeah. going to convince themselves they've got Odell Beckham. Is there a third wide, <laughs> third Ohio State wide receiver? <laughs> Jamison Williams was at Ohio State before he transferred to Bama, so kind of. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 third one's an underclassman. I cannot remember his name, but he can he can play. And that was one Smith of the problems. Yeah, you know, when you watch the film of them, it's like everyone's open. There's a lot of just open guys running free. Alave, a lot of times it's like he's just the it was a zone defense. He just blew past everybody, which is great. Uh, but it's not like you're seeing like a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, he, oh, he there he goes beating sauce or something like that. You know, I will point out that has nothing to do with the draft, but just the talent coming out of Ohio state. I believe Ohio state was number one in Bill Connolly's initial S and P projections for next year. Huh. So, uh, makes so sense maybe, if you're maybe we will finally be pick. sorry. What'd you say? I said, it makes sense if you're being, bringing back a potential first overall pick quarterback. <laughs> and, yeah, and maybe we will finally be saved from the uh, the tyranny of the SEC. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, let's, uh, yeah, again, talking about the quarterbacks being better in 2023 uh, than 2022. The kid from Ohio State whose name escapes me right now is like very much looking like, looking like the number one pick. So, um Let's uh, let's move on to the last team in the NFC North, and that is your Detroit Lions. <laughs> they just they won the Super Bowl. Fewer free agents. <laughs> yes, Detroit Lions fans just won the Super Bowl through Super Bowl. the power of rooting for their ex-players. I mean, listen, you laugh, but when the uh, when the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup after Ray Bork got traded from the Bruins to the Avalanche, they actually brought the cup to Boston for all the Boston fans who hadn't won a cup in like 25 years. Oh, you poor Boston fans. Oh, that's weird. Boston, Boston then went out and won a cup like three or four years later. <laughs> Did Brady um, bring the Lombardi trophy back to you guys one more time last year so you could see it one more time? We'll see it one more time. It may not be until 2050, but we will see it one more time. 
I guarantee you, I guarantee you right now that before the end of humanity and the sun swallowing the earth, the New England Patriots will win another Super Bowl. I, you know what? I will take those odds well over Matthew Stafford as a Hall of Famer odds. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not touching that action. <laughs> and the Lions do, in fact, have the 32nd pick in the draft, thanks to the Rams winning the Super Bowl. So uh, they have the fewest free agents. They have a lot of cap space. Yep. Um, not quite as much as Chicago. Um, I missed a couple of free agents on this list. Uh, I guess Charles Harris played well for them. Yes, he did. Jalen Reeves Mabin is an interior, uh, is off-ball linebacker who's a free agent. He's kind of an okay player, but they don't really have a lot of really big name free agents. Like Tracy Walker, I think, is by far the biggest name among their free agents. As, yeah. Starting uh, free safety. As Janice Joplin said, when you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Well, that's true. There you go. Yeah, I think really Tracy Walker is the only guy you feel that bad about losing. Maybe Alex Anzalone, but like he's hurt literally all the time. So I don't even know yes. if that's really worth re-signing. Um, Josh Reynolds was better for them than I thought he was going to be, but not enough to where I he won't cost any money to, he won't cost much to bring back yeah player. if you can get him not, back not like, like you're getting in a bidding war for josh reynolds so you can, <laughs> this, yeah this is where the dropping and putting up together this list came you know yeah. raymond raymond could get some buzz on the free agent market i think there, there's some interest in him for, yeah, he's for a returner slash deep threat guy mm-hmm. i yeah. mean if if you know if you can find a taylor gabriel role for him in, in one of those shanahan offenses i mean right that's for you he can probably get some money doing that I mean, the right. problem is the, the Lions need. They need and need and need. Like, they need receivers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need cornerbacks. Mm-hmm. They need a safety if they don't re-sign Tracy Walker. They need depth okay. safeties anyway. I mean, they need, like, they almost need, everything. They, they need, need another edge. pass rusher still. Yes. They need ad- edge. And I'm guessing we're all thinking that they're going to go edge with the first pick in the draft. And It has uh, to be, yeah. Whether, yeah. whether it's Thibodeau or Hutchinson, like, they, they have I would lock them in. Yeah, right? The yeah. second pick, yes. Yeah, right. So well, no matter what Jacksonville does, either they'll get Thibodeau, they'll get Hutchinson, or they'll get their pick of Thibodeau or Hutchinson. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think and they'll not, probably be pretty happy with either one. Yeah, you, they're not a team that can go veteran at the edge. They need to get the young guy who they can put in there for five or six years. So, you know, at veteran, gosh, golly, gee, I don't know. Uh, you know, wh- where you spend your free agent money when you're a team that this that's this destitute. I guess you look and you try to get that young veteran that you can just lock in for three or four year contract at any position to need. Iceman says some people are mocking Hamilton. I think that's the safety to the yeah, from number name. two. I mean, that is a need to them, but I mean, taking a safety number two is a safety. If ever you think Dan line? Campbell is taking a safety at two, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck betting that one. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's good enough. Like, Hamilton's fantastic, but, like, I don't think that that's happened. Like, even with the importance of the safety in today's game, I don't think a safety has ever gone that high. I'm trying to think. Like, they've gone in, like, eight, nine. Uh, Roy Williams for the Cowboys was, like, what, seventh or eighth four? overall. Four? I think Barry Or am I like thinking of wide receiver Roy Williams was four? Sean Taylor, useful as first to say, he was real high. He was, like, five. Right. But more recently, it's more rare because you know, that position is devalued, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, whether or not that's accurate or not. But, uh, yeah, I, I, they're going to go edge. I, I don't see them going Hamilton and saying, OK, now we have a great interior, a great offensive line and a great safety. And we're going to build outwards from those. 
Right. I mean, I think uh, that 32 pick could, the 32 pick could easily become a receiver, right? We were right. talking about lots of good second round receivers. It basically with the 32 pick and 32 and 34 with one of those picks, they have their first choice of any second round receiver, basically. They can yeah. jump him and take him at the end of the first round instead and get the extra year on him. It could be the lottery pick, roll the dice quarterback in, the, in one of those too. Right, I mean, actually. That, yeah. And that's the thing too. I think if you take a receiver, I think it's in terms of spending their money, it should probably be in the back end, the secondary and and like the receiver room. I think I think that's probably where they should be spending their money and then spend some of their picks, at least their first pick on defensive end. I think they absolutely need one of those guys. And then kind of like you mentioned, I don't really like any of these quarterbacks, but if they're going to take a swing on one, trying to get whoever is left at 32 or 34 probably makes the most sense because they're also in a position where like they don't need the guy to be good right now. If he sucks for two years, who cares? Like you're probably not going to be good within that time span anyway. If you take him at 32, not 34, you can lock a fifth year option. I was going to just say though, I don't know which quarterback that you want to like take a shot on is going to be left at 32. I would think that Pickett, Willis and Coral will all go before that. Yes. It's going to have to be Howell probably would be my (laughs) guess. I don't think is that good, but I don't know about Corral. Corral could and how Howell, you guys tell me, he's not a um, low floor, high ceiling gamble no. the way Willis is, right? Like the he's thing the about taking Willis <laughs> is that like there's that small chance that Willis becomes Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And Howell, there isn't really that chance. No, no, no. Howell is like this year's Baker Mayfield right out of the gate, and then at his best might be like the average version of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think a ton is there with him. He, he's probably going to be good enough to like not ruin everything. And you can probably evaluate the rest of your team with him. I, uh, I don't want to like uh, cannibalize our future podcast to, together, Derek, about the draft. <laughs> Have you done your corral work yet? I've actually charted like five or six games of him. Um, not a fan. I, uh, that guy's not for I, me. I hear you love RPOs. I, they need to be removed from the sport one way or the other, fix the rules, do something, man. I, I can't take it. Like their I was entire watching, offense is RPOs. It's disgusting. I was, yeah. I was doing my corral work and I'm like, my God, I'm like, oh my God, Derek has to watch this. Derek has <laughs> to watch started. this. The, the Dolphins broke you. And they then did. Ole Miss is just obliterating you. And uh, so anyway, yeah, I looked at him like, oh my God, it's like, Corral is like the the current Tua, unless he's bad, and then he's like Trubisky. I was trying to figure out exactly who he is, but that's what we're talking about, 32-34, right? You know? Trubisky yeah. is not a bad comp for Corral, actually. I kind of like that. Yeah. I I I feel like I, they have so many needs. I wouldn't want to take a gamble on having Mitch Trubisky. If the high side is Mitch Trubisky, I wouldn't want to take the gamble at 32 or 30. I'd rather just – Oh, I don't want to either. Build the rest of the team and plan right. on using a pick in 2023. Because they'll probably be picking at least top 10 again, I would imagine. Yeah. Like, unless would... they're just the luckiest team ever, which is possible. Right. You never know. <laughs> but they're building something. I mean, I you know, it's so funny. Like, I feel optimistic about the Lions. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like Campbell. Well, I, I think that the combination of an ass kicker uh, an ass kicking uh, coach, as far as like getting players up, mm-hmm. combined with 
the analytical that he was very positive analytically mm-hmm. is a great combination. And is. there is a good amount of young talent that they're collecting. The problem is just the quarterback position that at a certain point, they're going to have to find that guy and it's not going to be till 2023. And I think like a lot of their younger players, like even though the, the roster as a whole wasn't good enough to like show success for it, I think a lot of their younger players were actually pretty good, like especially up front. Um, I thought like Alan McNeil and uh, Levi Anwuzurike, especially down the stretch of the year, were like really good. Linebacker Derek Barnes, not the best cover guy, but he is a murder player inside the box. So like the fact that they're getting um, at least like competent NFL level play from their rookies right away last year was was really encouraging to me. And I thought like defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn did some really interesting stuff, especially up front. I mean, they were putting like... uh, I think it was Julian Aquara. They were putting him at like literally nose on like right. a certain on like some certain weird packages and like getting penetration in the backfield. Like they were doing the best they could with the hand that they were given. And I thought that was that uh really encouraging for you know, assuming they do eventually get this roster into into decent shape. Joey yeah. Suck says over under on five and a half wins for oh. the Lions this year. We we lost our over under on we the Lions. We lost our over under because I was big on the Lions over and that did not hit. I'll go I'm, over. I'm going over on 5.5. I'm doing it. Let's go. It's hard for me to go under on five and a half for almost any team. You'd have to basically be like the worst team in the league. I mean, because hard. the amount of randomness in the NFL tends to things tend to group towards eight, eight and eight. Well, at this point, eight, eight and one. I might go over solely for the fact that the division is kind of in shambles and like yeah. they can probably like kick and scream their way into two division wins, I would think. And then maybe you just beat a couple of other bad teams outside of that. I agree. Uh, agree. We're asking about the schedule. Uh, Let me check my little way too early DVOA projections to see where I have the Lions schedule projected. I have it projected uh, as the sixth hardest. Ah, Whoa. They're out of conference. The Packers do have a really good projection in that. Hmm. In that, right. um, in that uh, way too early projections, but right. I don't remember the teams that they play. But they must play the last place teams that are like, like, like maybe they play Baltimore in the seventeenth game or something. Mm-hmm. Right, makes sense. I have to look up again what who they play, but yeah, they actually come out with a hard schedule next year. So sorry about that. Way too early. <laughs> Football Outsiders DVO projections are on the website right now at footballoutsiders.com. Yes, they look a lot like DVOA from last year, except that Tampa Bay sucks. Nice. And the Packers <laughs> are better because they won't – the idea is, is, you know, projecting them with Aaron Rodgers playing all 17 games. But it's a good, it's a good idea of what it means for offense to be more predictive than defense for next year. And it does give you a good idea of schedule strength for next year, that the Rams have the hardest projected schedule that the Eagles, uh, not the Eagles, the Ravens have the easiest projected schedule for next year. Yeah. That one really perks you up when you think of all the players that the Ravens are getting back from injury. And then the Mm -hmm. idea that they have the easiest projected schedule for next year. I may have to revise my top five AFC quarterbacks. Oh, (laughs) based on that. All right, that does it for today's show. Thank you again to everybody who's watching and listening on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network afterwards. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the feed. Tell your friends about the feed and the shows. Uh, Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Derek for joining us. 
for today's show. Uh, the Splash Play guys, I will be back tomorrow at 2.30, I believe, to talk more fantasy football. And then we will be back with two more shows next Wednesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we will do the NFC South and the NFC East. And then we're figuring out what goes on after that with the AFC, with Mike and I going to the Combine in Indianapolis. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for reading Football Outsiders. And we will see you for this show next Wednesday. Take care, everybody.